We didn't really know how to raise Seth. Yeah, so I raised myself. And in doing so, I created the greatest super holiday known to mankind, drawing on the best that Christianity and Judaism have to offer. And you call it Christmaka. And I'm recording over here. Nice. Sweet. All right, man. Are you, are you, re- are you recording? No, man. This is just pro bono today. You got to pay to get the good stuff. Uh. Well, I need you to record, so make sure you hit record. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, and that is my friend. His name is... A-A-Ron in the house. A-A-Ron. I'm never sure if I'm supposed to like introduce you and say what your name is or let you say it. So it's always this like awkward thing where I'm like, and my friend is... Maybe I should just get a name tag <laughs> and people can uh, see for themselves. There you go. I just about ripped something off the wall. It, I just if, realized. Hold on. Oh. I just about ripped <laughs> that poster off the wall. <laughs> oh, if pure, we were professional. Out of pure excitement. You would edit it so it looks like a news broadcast. So on the bottom and have our names and our titles. Yeah. And, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm wondering if it does, though, because of Zoom. Like right now, when I look on my screen, it says our names. I can't remember if on the Zoom file, like the recording, if it does. So yeah, if you're watching so. this on YouTube... And you can tell right now if it says our names or not. I've. It's funny because every time I like, you know, just kind of throw the video together, I'm like, oh, I should probably put like our Twitter, Instagram, like social media handles, like those things that kind of pop up here and there because that's what all the good YouTubers do. But we're not like actual YouTubers. We're literally just throwing something together as we record a podcast. So if you're watching this, hello. Welcome. Welcome. If you're just listening, ignore everything we just said to you. If you're just listening, um, then uh, we don't like you. Yeah, but if you're watching or <laughs> listening, go go follow us on uh, our social media, Twitter, Instagram, at GrowingPunkPod. You can also find us at uh, GrowingPunkPod.com. Everything, anything and everything you want to know about the podcast, it can be found basically in those three locations. So, uh, so if somebody you, tries uh, to sell you a subscription to Ancestry.com, just say, I already got that info at GrowingPunkPod. Yeah, at gro- it's all GrowingPunkPod.com. Yeah. <laughs> like I, Ancestry, I don't need, I know I where know I know who from, I am. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, this is the beginning of what I've come to refer to as guppy season, um, and it's a thing that we're going to make a thing every year. We're going to talk about guppy season. Basically, what I mean by that is um, I was explaining this to my wife. I think I actually had to explain it to you as well. You're like, I just don't get the guppy thing. And I was like, well, gup is, you know, like... Sh- yeah, I got that grow- part. Yeah, growing up punk. And then I was like... Uh, I was comparing it to the Dundies, Dunder Mifflin, The Office, and they're like their yearly awards that they do. Yeah, love it. Or, you know, like the Grammys, the Emmys, whatever. That's what the Dundies were kind of referencing, right? So I was like, uh, it's stupid because we both have like kind of agreed that we we hate like the uh, whatever, the the abbreviation or whatever, GUP for growing up punk. It just kind of looks <laughs> kind of silly. But I'm like, I'm, I'm going to embrace it for... Uh, yeah, for guppy season. So what this is, is we are about to, you've seen the title of the episode, you know what we're talking about in this episode, but as far as guppy season is concerned and what that means is it's more than just one episode. Today, we are going to talk about our top 10 albums of the year, um, more specifically focusing on our top five. We'll get into all that in a few minutes, but uh, if you're thinking like, why is that part one? This is the funny thing. I feel like that should be part two, like the big, like year ender as we talk about our favorite albums of the year and maybe going forward we'll make sure we structure it that way but we 
when it came time to figure out recording this stuff. This just happened to be the order we were recording in. So you get our top 10 albums first. And then in the uh, next episode, you are going to get, we're going to highlight a couple EPs that we really, uh, that we released, that were released that we liked. Um, so the, the records in this episode are all full lengths. That's the one thing you'll notice. Uh, so we'll talk about some EPs next time. But then we're also going to actually get into handing out what we're going to call the guppies awards um we've got different categories and they're not real awards by any means it's just we're going to pick our favorites in different categories and i thought it would be fun to give it a stupid name so that's where we're at with the guppies and just so you know we're recording this in july so there could be some albums (laughs) that we missed (laughs) no it's i i do before we get into our our records i did want to say uh that we are recording. There are still a couple albums that are to come out um, that I'm looking forward to that could potentially make my top 10, but I don't think that they will. But so if, you know, we're recording this late November, by the time this comes out, it's going to be late December. So we may miss a couple. And to that, you know, we apologize to bands like Less Than Jake and Goldfinger. We actually haven't heard your records yet or hate breed. Yeah, which is kind of crazy that bands... Like, and I know this year has kind of thrown off a lot of things. Like, some of these bands might have not thought they had records coming out, but it is such a weird yeah. time to put that out because, I mean, even though people will keep listening to those, there is something that, you know, January hits and it's like, oh, that album came out last year. Okay, now what's, yeah. com- what's coming out next? You know, like, there's already yeah. some big releases that have been announced for, you know, the first, you know, uh, quarter of the year. And so hopefully yeah. that's not a detriment to bands that they're putting it out that time of year. Well, Goldfinger especially, like they announced literally uh, um, from when we're recording, it was just the other day, but it's an album that's coming out in a couple weeks. So like, surprise, we've got some new music coming, which is cool. And I think something that I'm kind of surprised more bands maybe didn't do this year in just being like, what else are we doing? We can't tour. So we huddled up together and recorded this, you know, even if it's like a five song EP or whatever, and like, surprise, here's some new music for you. I'm kind of surprised that that hasn't happened a little bit more. Uh, But at the same point, you know, it's it's been a year that's kind of been so unknown that how, how, you know, bands are probably in a lot of times just kind of sitting and waiting, going like, we don't even know what's next. So we don't want yeah. to commit to anything. Yeah. In I the think, meantime, but. I think lots probably thought it was going to be over sooner. So it's like, okay, let's, let's plan to, you know, put it out when hopefully we're back touring again or, um, yeah. you know, but as things just progress and keep prolonging, I'm sure there's lots of like, ah, we should have just gone for it, but you yeah. know, at the same time, well, they're putting so much into it, they don't necessarily want to just throw it out there and then without a plan or, yeah. I don't know. Well, especially like the, as you mentioned, like thinking it would be over sooner sort of thing, because like tours that were canceled, I remember initially like Jimmy Eat World was rescheduled. It was supposed to be in, it's either March or April. Um, I want to say it was April. And initially they'd rescheduled for November. Like it would have, you know, just recently happened for me. (laughs) But like, look where we're at. Like we're nowhere even near, you know, like ready for this sort of thing. Right. So it's pretty crazy to think that um, basically a whole year, not quite yet, but was just like washed and who knows for how much longer. Uh, Maybe by the time this comes out, we have a better idea because we're recording it more than a month in advance That's weird for us, but we decided, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but we decided to kind of, you know, get this done when we're doing it so that we can have the month of, or most of the month of December off anyway. So again, that's just kind of like a, a bit of a, I guess like a precursor sort of thing, just saying, Hey, heads up, there could actually be some records that came out after this that we really like, but you know what? 
I don't think I could have made up my mind by then anyways, because I was thinking about this in like prepping my list for this year. I was looking back because this year, musically, I felt like there were a lot of really good records that came out. And in a lot of ways, it reminded me of 2018, where there was a lot, there were a lot of good records that came out in 2018 too. Like every year, there's a lot of good records that come out, but just like that kind of like, oh, what's in my top five? Like this is actually a bit of, you know, competition, things moving in and out. But I was thinking back on my, my picks from, from 2018, that was Trash Boat. Uh, Crown Shyness oh, yeah. was like my number one record that year. And I still think like by like far and away it is my number one record from that year still. But albums like Proper Dose from the story so far and even Swell from Tiny Moving Parts have like over the years, I feel like they've really moved forward and moved up in my list. Um, and it's just because, you know, of the time that I've been able to spend with those records more being like actually these are both really good <laughs> and yeah. i don't remember i think they were probably like five and four so, so they were up there anyway so but that's all to say that these lists are they're just what right now what we're picking and that's that so how this will work is uh we're going to so we're going to go through our 10 through six we're going to go back and forth so aaron will say his 10 i'll say my 10 nine oh, sort starting of at the bottom okay yeah, well, we got to work to number one. We don't. We don't. Like, if we tell them number one right now, they just turn the episode off. And they well, go, "All right, moving on." <laughs> I thought we were doing it like in a, in a random order. Then we were trying to guess each well, other. Or are we not doing that? So we we can. We did that last year for our top five. So that's what I'm saying. Like our ten through six for sure. We will go in order um, and just kind of go through them. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, I didn't put them in order. Uh, and then five through one, if you want, I was, we can, last year we did them and we just kind of set our five through one randomly and then tried to guess and, and then kind of revealed where we actually had them. Um, so we could do that for sure. But I did want to, uh, get into, I, I think, like I said, numbers 10 through six, we'll yeah, go through yeah, for sure. And then, so we're just going to kind of not, not just like speed through them, but we'll take a closer look at five through one, uh, than we will for 10 through six. So I guess let's jump into it. What was your number 10 release of the year? So this one, uh, this spot was, there, there was a handful of albums that were, that were kind of fighting for this spot. Um, but I decided to give it to a band called the Fizz Gigs. Um, mm, nice. so they were a band that, you know, they're kind of from the ashes of, of another punk band, not from the ashes, I guess some shared members or past members or whatever from another awesome Canadian punk band called Belvedere. And, uh, this, this band had kind of come up cause I think you were going to interview them and, and I think just the name, I was like, Oh, I don't know. Never, never heard of them, yeah. whatever. Not that interested. And then it was like the next day or maybe sometime that week, they had a sponsored ad on Instagram of uh, of one of their videos and it and it caught my ear and I was like oh this okay go watch the video and then the album came out and went and listened to it and I I immediately liked it it's it's a really fun listen um, you know it's it's got a lot more going on than maybe the typical pop punk band they've got awesome melodies and overall songwriting they kind of remind me of a band like uh, the Swellers that you know they're kind of in that punk skate punk realm but they stand out a bit more due to things like the melodies and kind of little things in the songs that make them stand out above the rest. And, and this is an album I've put on a lot. It's a great summer album, but also an anytime album. And, and um, yeah, it, it's also one of those that I kind of forget about. And then when mm. I'm scrolling through the list of bands and I see that, it's like, oh yeah, I want to listen to that again. Like it always kind of keeps me coming back. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really cool album. 
it's interesting, yeah, that you say an album that you often forget about because as you said it here, I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about that album. And this really kind of sets up how you know prepared and how great we are with our lists here uh, because I'm just looking to see, do I not have it in my library? No, I do. So when, when I was like going back through... Uh, through the albums that came out this year, I just went into my like my Apple Music, my iTunes, and sorted by release year. And I don't even remember seeing that one come up, so I must have just breezed by it. But yeah, it is a really fun record, and I think yeah, they're like they're they're like artist rep or whatever reached out early on, and uh, I don't know we ever got to the point of setting up an interview like we had talked about, it and then I never followed through it was just like this this sort of i was like oh this is actually really good and then kind of forgot all about it because 2020 was crazy uh it was a messed up year but my number 10 uh is a record that surprised me because i'm not actually a big fan of this band so that they made the top 10 sort of surprised me a little bit but that's neck deep all distortions are intentional Mm. uh and this record you know i when they announced it i added it to you know i I did the pre-ad thing the the lead singles were nothing that were like selling me by any means but i was like all right we'll put it on and it came out the day like i think it was the morning we were leaving to drive back from my parents house so we were just about to drive across the country and so i made sure uh when i got up that morning that i i downloaded it um before you know before we hit the road or whatever because like well i actually want to check it out and i listened to it twice back to back just driving because it was like like immediately I was like because it's it's just it's a real well flowing record and I compared it when I did a review of it I compared it actually to um proper dose by the story so far just in not necessarily being a fan a big fan of the band going in but the band changing something because I think it's fair enough to say while proper dose might have been more of a departure for the story so far than all intention or all distortions are intentional for neck deep um like there is still some kind of change that happened and I, I really enjoyed this record. It's one that I can put on and it just sort of, it is a concept album too, which I like. So it's telling the story of a guy and I don't know. It's just, it's a really, I was surprised by it. So it made, it made my top 10 right at number 10. So what's your number nine? Yeah. I was going to say with that one, I, I, that's one I, and I don't typically forget kind of about bands and that one, I had listened to some of the songs and wasn't that super into, but I did have it in my mind that, okay, I want to at least go listen through it, you know, from start to finish at least. And I've never done that yet. So I'm definitely going to add <laughs> that and, and go do that. Cause that's yeah, yeah one that, that I kind of for, forgot about slash just kind of put in the back of my mind, this, you know, kind of thinking, right. oh, I'm not super interested, but I, I definitely think it could be, um, especially after mentioning what my number nine is which is Big Vibe by Seaway, um, because this is also one um, that... So Seaway and Neck Deep I, I kind of are, are similar in the sense that, um, at least for me, like they're both decent enough. Um, I, I don't dislike it, but I, I never like fully loved it. Um, and this album, again, kind of caught me off guard. I, I don't think I listened to, to any of the singles that came out if, if they released some. Um, I, on release day, I put this on and it just immediately catched my, caught my ear and, uh, yeah, it just, it, it's super catchy. They lean a bit more heavily kind of into nineties influence, which I really like. Um, it, it kind of reminded me of, of some parts of, of four year strong where, you know, they kind of have that nineties influence, but not in a way that, you know, 
not not nineties influence. Um, kind of where it's just kind of a, an alternative rock song that's kind of like okay, but it, it adds something. So I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, we'll say it does. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know. This album was was just a lot less kind of annoying for me. I've kind of found Seaway a little obnoxious, and I don't know if it's just kind of some of the lyrical content or um, whatever it is, but I don't know. This this one is one that I, I love going back to, and I'll keep going back to it, and definitely a nice mm. surprise um, release for me. It's interesting that you, uh, you know, you kind of brought up Seaway alongside Neck Deep because the first time I saw Seaway live, they were opening for Neck Deep. And uh, it was the main reason I went to the show. I was like, oh, I really want to see Seaway. And uh, it just so happened that Neck Deep was headlining. So there you go. My number nine pick is actually very similar to yours because it is Seaway Big Vibe. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. And so this record, much of what you said, I. I don't know if the first, I can't remember what order the singles came out for this record before it was released, but I feel like maybe the first one I wasn't big on, and then they released one, I wish I could remember, let's see if I can, I want to see if I can look it up, because they they released a single shortly before uh, the record was to come out, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is actually a really good song, and I'm wondering... Um, I'm just going to take a look here. No, it, I was wondering if it was Big Vibe. It's not Big Vibe. Uh, Still Blue. They released the video for Still Blue, and it's just like kind of this crazy, weird like um, video where they like. I think they actually give a warning before that they're like, if you you know, this video has a lot of flashing lights and blah blah blah, blah and it's like mm. all shot in like fisheye lens sort of thing, much like I think my camera is probably doing right now. Um, but it's just like. That song came on. I was like, oh, I really like this. And when the record first came out, I remember you commenting and saying like, oh, I actually really enjoy it. And it took me some time to really get in and appreciate it. And I think really what it was, it wasn't like I'd put it on and be like, oh, this isn't actually what I was thinking. It was I put it on. I was like, yeah, this is what I expect. And then I don't remember exactly when it came out, but I was more like, okay, what are, what's over here? What's It just kind of became this thing where I was like, yep, that's what I was expecting from Seaway. It's good, but I want to hear some different things here and there. And so it took me a while to kind of really come around to it and put it on and really listen to it. And uh, I mean, Seaway is a band that I I enjoy. I've seen them out of like the newer, like this generation of pop punk bands. They're probably the band I've seen the most. Um, because they seem to come, I mean, being in Canada, they seem to come quite frequently. And so I, I usually try to go anytime I can because they put on a fun show because it, it, it took me when I remember when I first saw them, I was kind of like, ah, they're okay. I had a friend who really liked them. And so that's why I went to the show because I knew he was a big fan. He was going on the show. I was like, all right, this is, I mean, it looks like a good show. And, uh, speak low. If you speak love was on that show as well with neck deep and seaway. And it took me halfway through their set. I realized I was like, oh. Seaway's totally just like a party band and they're super fun for it. Like in a, in a time when pop punk is like more serious, I want to say than it's ever been like lyrically, I feel uh, Seaway has just always sort of been this band that just gets up on stage and they just want to have fun. And it took me a little bit to realize that, but um, once I did, it kind of clicked. And so they've, I've always enjoyed them and this record is, is no different. It just took me a couple extra minutes to come around and go like, Oh yeah, I actually need to listen to this uh, because I know it's good, you know, just exploring other stuff. But what's your number eight record? 
Yeah, so moving to number eight is um, another beautiful surprise of an album that many had been anticipating, yet maybe didn't think um, would happen, especially with this lineup, and that is the new Misery Signals album, Ultraviolet. So Misery Signals has always been a band that knows how to create these beautiful, heavy songs that just sound like Misery Signals. When I put their records on, I know it's them. There's there's a lot to digest on this album, and that may be kind of my only complaint with this. You know, at times I find it hard to maybe differentiate, you know, one song from the next. Each song has so much going on in so many parts that, you know, and they're all done super well. But for me, at least, it takes a lot of lessons to kind of, not a less, lot of listens um, to fully kind of <laughs> take it in. Um, so I need a lesson on how to how to listen to this band. I was kidding, and, and that's yeah, not that's that's not a bad thing. You know, I've said this before, like. Sometimes there's just music that doesn't, you know, it's just not as easy to digest for whatever reason. And that's, that's not, you know, a fault of the band. That's what they're trying to go for. And, you know, overall, I love this album. I love everything this band puts out and, and just super excited to have new music from them. And, and every time I put it on, um, even though it takes a long time to kind of digest it, I'm just amazed at, at their musicianship and how they kind of piece together songs, you know, the, again, like I said, are, are so heavy, but also kind of beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Misery Signals is an interesting band for me because as long as I've been aware of them, I've never really listened to them. And if I recall, they came out of kind of like um, the ashes of a band who I actually grew up going to shows and seeing because they were when they originally formed part, like some of the members were from compromise, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Which I believe they were compromise was from, I want to either Calgary or Edmonton. Like they were, they were like a, a local hardcore band for the scene that I grew up in. And I remember going and seeing them and like, they always put on a great show. Um, and when I heard about misery signals, I just never, I never really, I've, I've listened to them, but never really gotten into them, I guess. But, um, I also feel like if memory serves, they're heavier than compromise ever was. But so maybe that's where, where I kind of like lost it. But when you had your, uh, I want to say it was, must've been your interview with, with Stu Ross, Yeah. either that or misery signals came up in another episode with one of your interviews, but there was a song of theirs that I listened to for the episode that I was like, Oh, this is actually really good. But, um, can't say I've actually listened to that record. My number eight uh, actually has a typo, I just noticed, uh, because I wrote down the title of the album, Hell, It's You, but that's not true. It's Bearings, <laughs> and the album is called Hello, It's You. Okay, and so I made it this in there. album, Yeah, this album, I think, in a similar way where you said with Misery Signals, like it was kind of like, well, you said Misery Signals was a pleasant surprise because you didn't expect it, um, whereas like Bearings, this record... Bearings is a funny band for me. So tying it back to Seaway, I was introduced to Bearings because they opened for Seaway on one of the shows that I went and saw. And Blue in the Dark came out in 2018. That was their album before this one, and which I said 2018 was a good year. And it it's a great album. But similarly to Blue in the Dark, Hello, It's You, the singles that came out ahead of time didn't really convince me that I was going to get into the album. Um, if I recall with blue in the dark, I was kind of like, ah, they're okay. And then the album comes out and I fall in love with it as I listen to it. Hello, it's you. The singles kind of came out and I was like, oh, they're doing something a little bit different. Like they've added an element, which is cool, but they're still like, not really, I'm not super excited. I don't think the album's going to be that great. And then it comes out. And as we're recording this, it literally came out yesterday (laughs) and I have listened to it 
probably five times over the course of that or so and convinced that each time I listen to it, I like it more and more. So going back to where I said, like, you know, it's funny with lists that as time goes on, that list kind of changes because you get to spend more time with records. And this one could very well or could have very well ended up higher in the list if it came out earlier in the year and I'd been listening to it more. Right. So right now it's, it is where it is. Um, I do really like it a lot. I don't, there's like the odd misstep here and there where I'm kind of like, oh, I'm not huge on that. But overall, as the as the record goes, uh, I think it's pretty fantastic. So why don't we get into your number seven? Number seven for me is Silverstein's A Beautiful Place to Drown. So I've come to love Silverstein over the last number of years, um, especially considering I really wasn't into their earlier records. Um, they just seem to be getting so much better with time and continually put out music that sounds fresh and exciting while still sounding like Silverstein. And this new album is no exception. The songs are very well written and composed in a way that is interesting to the listener. They still have their heavy and melodic moments, but this album sees them exploring you know, some more kind of synth-related sounds as well as focusing on, on bigger-sounding songs that may... Um, you know, appeal to a bigger audience. And I'm not saying that to say, like, it sounds super mainstream or anything, but, you know, the energy and momentum is still there, but in a way that maybe isn't as abrasive as maybe what they're known for. Um, mm. And and one of the parts I, I love about the song is they have some really cool guest spots. They have uh, Aaron Gillespie and uh, Caleb Shomo from Beartooth. And uh, there's another song that has a guest spot on it that I wasn't super familiar with. I think it was maybe, like, a, a female rapper or something. Um, and so they just seem like they push themselves and and I've said lots of times that I don't necessarily love when bands kind of progress their sound but Silverstein does it in a way that to me it still sounds like them it's still super energetic and catchy um, but just kind of exploring a few different sounds to add into that while still still sounding like them so I kind of yeah. see it as one of those albums that it might not be for everyone but there's kind of something for everyone um, on it if if you're a fan of them or or that kind of music yeah, I, I listened to that record uh, on part of my drive, for sure. I, I didn't really give that record a, a ton of time. Um, Silverstein was always a band that I was aware of, but never really fully got into, uh, but can appreciate them when they come on. Uh, so this year saw, as I get into my number seven, uh, a number of, or a few bands at least, that hadn't released records for a long time that were releasing records uh, and I've got a couple that made my list. So this is the first one at number seven for me is Slick Shoes with Rotation and Frequency. Um, this was a record that was kind of, in, like I say, they hadn't been releasing music for a long time, which is true, like, because it had been what? What did we figure their last album was? was 17 it years, I think. Yeah, 2003. Yeah, 2003. Um, I mean, they had, uh, what's it called? broadcasting live yeah um that came out a live album right and they had that one single i can't remember the name of it that came out at one point that really wasn't that good but they had been you know when they got back together initially it was like you you could tell there was like some kind of momentum and obviously we sort of knew that there was something in the works because we've been in contact with the band quite a bit um and having done a number of episodes about and with them uh we you know it was it was expected that this record was coming and when it came I was pleasantly surprised. And for me, it was one of those records where when it first came, I was like, okay, like I, this is really good. And then it's kind of like time came, you know, went on. I felt like other records kind of like passed it in the standings, but still a really solid like return for a band. Like when you think about some other bands 
that you know they they go on hiatus or whatever for an extended period of time and then they come back and the the record they release is like okay like they actually put out when people there i people have said you know i've read some pretty outrageous comments i don't know if it's fair to say they're outrageous but people saying like either a it's slick shoes best record period or b I saw this one. It's the best punk or pop punk record to come out uh, in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's that's crazy. That's not true. You could make an argument. I would not have a problem with you making an argument that it's their best because the guitar work on this record is outstanding. And I think the songwriting uh, in general is really good. For me, it, uh, like Rusty is always just going to hold that place, you know, in my heart. And, that, and a lot of that could just very well be, you know, nostalgic sort of thing. But um but let's move on to our, our number sixes. What was your number six? Yeah, number six for me was The Death of Me by Polaris. So this is one of my, my number five ties that kind of got uh, pushed down the list. And I've known of Polaris for a number of years, but for whatever reason, just kind of never gave them a solid listen. But as they started releasing singles from this album, I started paying more attention and was very glad I did as the songs were amazing. There's not necessarily anything specifically special about this album. However, what they do, they do it really well. The songs are crafted beautifully. They blend heavy and melodic super well. Um, the music is uh, put together really well and vocally. Um, there's lots of, of great vocals on here, just dynamics. And um, and so it's just one of those albums that, you know, it fits within that metalcore, metalcore um, you know, kind of genre, but without it being kind of boring or predictable. And uh, it's just a super solid album if you're into this kind of stuff. I always love going back to it. It's got great production on it, and uh, yeah, just a really good heavy banger. Sweet. I definitely haven't listened to it. <laughs> I don't think I have. Maybe like the I know the name, but I, I don't recall listening to it at all. But you listened um, to a song, but there was like a, kind of a not a full blown guitar solo, but <laughs> a partial one, and so you were just like, "Oh, I like this," until the guitar solo came in. Stupid guitar solos, which is that's going back to a few text conversations we've had. I don't, I don't absolutely hate guitar solos. I do like giving guitar solos a hard time though. <laughs> Especially I, for me, guitar solos where it's like, Oh, bands that just like make it a part of their song. Every song. I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't need it. I, it's not something I miss if it's not there. I so, guess you could say. So you don't but, like dragon force. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just all it's guitar funny solos. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you brought Dragon Force up because in your interview with Ryan uh, Schuler, you were talking about Dragon Force. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, my my number six is uh, Spanish love songs, Brave Faces, Everyone, which I feel there there were a couple records that came out this year where the titles were very fitting for 2020 without being like the. There were also a, a number of records that came out that just used 2020 in their title because you know bands thought they were being witty or whatever because it's 2020 and 2020 vision like all that kind of stuff um but uh brave faces everyone i think is a is a very fitting title for people because it's it's been a weird year man like uh, you know some people deal with it like you know no big deal and there's some people who who've dealt with everything where it's just like they don't know what the next thing is and their anxiety is through the roof and so something like you know needing to put on a brave face i think can hit home and spanish love songs for me was a band that really up until this record they felt like uh the wonder years 2.0 like um mm. 
vocally i feel like they share some similarities with the wonder years and then i mean just in the in the genre that they're in you're going to make those comparisons but i really feel like brave faces everyone put them on their own their own trajectory or their own sort of level thing i think i don't know if it's earlier this year or later last year like the wonder years actually took um spanish love songs out on tour which definitely kind of helps drive that home a little bit but I don't know. I just thought it's it's a really raw, really honest record, and uh, it's well performed. And so it was one that was much like how you said, you know, Polaris was kind of in and out of your top five. This one was in and out of my top five at different times, as well. And uh, in like the past couple weeks, as we sort of narrowed it down, but um, in the end, it's it's number six. So um, we're going to jump into our our top fives. But as we discussed earlier, we're not going to put them when we talk about them. They're not going to be in order. We're going to try and figure out each other's top fives in order uh, after we've discussed them. So why don't you go with one of your top five records? <laughs> I'm just going to go with the way I, I made the notes on it. it. It's not in order, so that works uh, works good for me here. Yeah, so this is one, um, yeah, another one that, that I had been waiting a long time for and actually, um, well, yeah, by the time this one comes out, the interview I did with Joe, who's the singer of this band, who I interviewed last night, uh, from the band Lightworker, and it's their album Fury by Failure. Uh, so there's a few items, um, or a few uh, albums kind of fighting for this spot, so kind of between the five, kind of six, you know, going back and forth. And um, But ultimately, Lightworker takes the win for me. This was another very anticipated album for me. I've had an ongoing kind of online friendship with our singer Joe over the last few years, and so we've talked, you know, many, many times about just music and then this album and getting signed to Solid State and kind of how everything was coming together and some of the challenges that were that were surrounding this. And so, you know, it kind of felt like an eternity before their first single dropped. Um, but when it did, I just, I loved it. I couldn't wait to, to listen to it and was very happy with what came into my ears. I mean, you know, I, I'm such a sucker for bands like this and it, you know, and I don't mean this as like a slight when I say like it doesn't take much to kind of get me with this, but there's still <laughs> so much, you know, more to this album. It's not just your mediocre metalcore album. While it has all the elements you would expect from a metal, metalcore band on Solid State, they do everything so well and smoothly that it just stands out above the rest for me. One of those elements is lead singer Joe's vocals. He's got a, a really unique voice. And most of the vocals on this album are actually singing um, versus screaming. There's a little bit of screaming, but it's it's mostly singing. So that's kind of unique in its own way. Um, and he's just got this awesome range and, um, yeah, just adds so much to the music, which which is already awesome. And so I can listen to this album over and over and keep visiting it and just never get tired of it. There's, there's a lot to take away um, for this. So if you're a fan of of melodic and heavy metalcore, um, then you're definitely going to to like this album. Right on. Um, one of my top five was, I mentioned earlier when I talked about Slick Shoes, was uh, you know a band that had, hadn't released something for a while. I think it had been about eight years since these guys put out their last record. It's the Casket Lottery, short songs for end times. And much like I think with Bearings, when I first heard like the first single or two, I was kind of like, yeah, it sounds like the casket lottery, but it wasn't doing anything. They weren't, I don't think they were ever a band that immediately like hooked me where I heard a song when I need, I'm going to love this. I need to get it sort of thing. Um, but knowing that I was a fan of the casket lottery in the past, 
I thought, oh, I should, you know, I'm going to add this. This is also big news, you know, kind of in the world of like post-hardcore emo sort of thing. Like they're a band that had put out some pretty, pretty big records and they were back putting together music, putting out music. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to it. And, oh, I you didn't say sorry. What song was your standout off of Lightworker? <laughs> I was, I was just, I was gonna wait till you were done talking, and I was gonna ask that. <laughs> yeah. What was your? St- you got, you got to get to that first, man. You just gotta nail it. Yeah, my my favorite song is one called "Remove the Earth."
as you'll hear if you listen to um, to my interview with Joe talking about Solid State Records, that that this song is a really personal one to him because it's kind of a song that he used as he was kind of um, kind of working through the emotions of his mom getting diagnosed with cancer, and so it was actually one a song that he says that kind of took a long time to come together. But so that just kind of makes it even more meaningful as uh, yeah. my mom as well has also gone through um, that journey of um, of beating cancer or going through it, and so. Um, yeah, it just kind of means that much more, but yeah, it's just got a really awesome groove to it. It kind of reminds me of early 2000s metalcore. The vocals on this song really actually remind me of a band called Every New Day that we've talked about before, uh, which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorite bands, and uh, so that's a bonus, but it's just a super catchy song and also really heavy and melodic. It just kind of has all the elements that, that I love to it, and just every time it comes on, I just want to just want to start headbanging, so that's uh, <laughs> the, my standout track for that album. While you're riding your bike to work. Oh, man, always. <laughs> Just yeah. thrashing um, as I weave in and out of traffic. And <laughs> so, so let's do it this way so that we, we make sure we get it in there. So um, the Casket Lottery, Short Songs for End Times. The song that I really love is the song Everything is Broken. <laughs> description for 2020 as well but uh back to the record you know it it was this thing where they had some songs that came out and initially i was like all right sounds good but you know it's not it didn't it didn't build and maybe this is a good thing it didn't it didn't set my expectations so high that they could be you know like let down sort of Mm. thing right but so when i first listened to it 
immediately drew me in and you know it was like one of those instances where I listened to it a ton of times over the first couple days and then just kind of kept coming back to it and whatever and so I think it's pretty awesome that both with the casket lottery and even slick shoes you know a couple bands that hadn't put out records for a while they actually came back and put out records that are just as good if not better than some of their like peak sort of hmm. stuff. And like that's that's some of the talk I've seen about the Casket Lottery's record for sure. And I, I think for myself, I can like I, I've put myself sort of in that camp where I go, man, this is better than some of their stuff they were putting out, you know, at their peak type thing. And uh, so I think it's I think it's pretty awesome. But uh yeah, what's your next one? Well the next one's one that, that you just touched on a few times. That's uh, rotation frequency by slick shoes. Um, yeah, I think it's safe to say that this was my probably my most anticipated album of this year is that I only had to wait 17 years, like we mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> this is an album that many, you know, if not most people, would have never expected to happen. You know, we knew they were back playing shows and they released that live record, like we said, and, and I think most of us would have just been happy with, with even that as, you know, that was more than we expected. But when they said that they were in the studio working on a new album, I think that's when people really started to get excited, including myself. You know, it was super cool having the guys on the show leading up to the release, like we mentioned, and which just made me even more excited to hear what they had created. The first single they released immediately had my attention, and every song after that. I listened to the album multiple times all the way through on release day, and many times since. Initially, I had some thoughts, maybe kind of against it, as did some others you know, online, like you said. But the more I listened, the more those things just kind of seemed to go to the back of my mind. And I simply enjoy the amazing songwriting and musicality that Slick Shoes has to offer. And it's just, you know, quickly, you know, I think it's one of those initial kind of shock things. And this happens with various things. You know, maybe it's uh, like a piece of art or an artwork where you see it. And especially when you've had so much time to anticipate it, your initial thought is just like, oh, maybe I don't like it as much as I thought. I don't know if that's just the way the brain works. And so it's just a lot to process. And so it just takes time. And yeah, like I said, some of those things that maybe initially it was like, I don't know if that's my favorite choice. It just doesn't really bother me anymore. And I just, I don't know, love love the album a lot and just keep going back to it. And I'm very grateful that's, that they're back creating more music. And what was your song off this record? Well, the song I'm going to go with is uh, Whispers.
that's the opening track. Again, it's the first song I heard. This is the first uh, single that they released. And so, I mean, even just because of that, it's probably the one I've listened to the most. It just has such a classic Slick Shoe sound to it and has some really cool parts in there that, that hooked my ear the first time I listened to it. And uh, so that one's just always stood out. It's a great song. I think for me, I really love the song. Is it Moments? I think yeah. on that record. I just love the guitar work on that song. The song itself is a little different and weird, but like the guitar on that, I love. Um, my next record in, uh, in, in my top five that I'm going to talk about is Be Well, The Weight and The Cost. Mm, awesome. And this one, this one was a surprise for me because I think... You had, I may, maybe, I think you said you'd either mention, I don't know if you shared, I did, I, for sure, if you sent me something, I didn't listen to it, which happens all the time. You'll like all of a sudden send me like links to YouTube videos, and sometimes I get to them, sometimes I don't. And then we text so much that sometimes it just gets buried. Yeah. Um, so I remember like when I, when I first put this on, I was like, or maybe you actually sent it to me on release day. I can't remember. And then I checked it. I was like, holy crap, this is really good. Um, and it's just been one that, you know, I've kind of consistently gone back to. I think my favorite song on the record is Confessional. There is a storm cloud outside that I can't ignore 
This song is, it's weird because A, it's the last track on the record and B, it's also a single. So as far as like, saw like on the, at least on the, like the digital streaming version, it's kind of funny because you have confessional and then immediately following it, you have confessional, the radio edit, because they included the radio edit there. And I'm like, that's weird. Like Mm -hmm. why, why do that? Cause then when you're just like playing through, you get the same song two times in a row with a slight variation. Um, But it's when when he first, when Brian McTernan first sang the line, I only know a few chords and a lot of mixed metaphors, I was like, oh, that's really awesome. And it's just like stuck with me. And yeah. this record, we, oh, I shared it as one of like our, you know, new music discussions. And I know like uh, Roger Camaro brought it up when he was on. Um, it's just, it's one of the most like raw and urgent records I think I've heard in a while, at least vocally. And then musically it's, you know, it's fast at times, it's heavy at times. It's just, it's an all around great, like post hardcore, hardcore sort of record thing. Um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, I love it. And I actually just got it on vinyl not too long ago. It finally yeah. came in the mail. So that was exciting. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is, uh, this is one of those yeah. albums that like, there's probably not a whole lot of, you know, albums competing kind of with this with this style i can't think of really any other kind of mm-hmm. uh anything similar to that and so yeah it definitely stands out in that regards and yeah i loved listening through this album um was it the summer when uh when it came out or whenever that was and yeah i could look it up but i don't remember exact date but yeah go on yeah and i remember yeah like so that that first single came out and they kind of announced you know it was kind of a you know a super group of sorts you know guys from different bands and and so I love that first song. Then I think it was the next one. It was like, oh, maybe this isn't really what I thought it was. And I don't know why that was. I can't remember. But then the album came out and it all it all sounded good. So I'm not sure what why that second one sounded different yeah. to me or something. But it came out August 21st. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Summer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Late summer. But um, yeah. Anyway, what was uh, what's your next? record from your top five so this is one that came out uh earlier in the year so we've had uh, a lot of time and i know this song has been special for you too and that is brain pain from four years strong uh this was you know i had very high expectations of this release and had a lot of anticipation again surrounding this because it had been uh, a few years since since our last full length came out and uh and the last one was good but it, i don't know never really kind of had me coming back time and time again uh, but they, when they released the first two singles, which they released the same time, I, I knew this album would be special. 
there's so much to love about this album. It's it's definitely four years strong, but I'd kind of say like a modern four years strong, which you know doesn't mean they've lost any of their energy or sound um, that their fans love, but they've kind of made a more dynamic and interesting experience for the listener. Maybe some more 90s influence in there. You know, there's a slower kind of ballad type song and then a more atmospheric song to end it. Um, but all that to say, there's so much energy and creativity on this album that I find myself kind of finding new things to love each time I listen to it. I never get sick of listening to this album, and it's, it's found its way into my constant rotation of albums since it came out. What's, uh, what's your favorite song on this one? Uh, this was, that was a hard one to pick. Um, I, I ended up going with Get Out of My Head.
is, uh, yeah, like I said, a hard one to pick, but I'm going this one just because it's, it's so catchy. It's got a really cool um, 90s feel to it, and but it also has this grittiness that kind of keeps the song feeling heavy and grounded kind of versus a, a light-feeling 90s alternative song or whatever. But just something yeah. about this song just gets me super excited when it kind of comes in, and you know, it's just kind of got a simple kind of chord progression, but it's just, I don't know, something about it that just gets me. It's also insanely catchy and yeah. memorable. Like as soon as you say the title of the song, it's stuck in my head. Um, so get out of my head. The song that I went with, because I, I mean, I'll talk about it now, might as well, because it is in my top five, Brain Pain. Uh, the song that I went with, actually, there were a couple couple um, tracks off this album that I could have gone with. And I decided to save one for something that we're going to talk about in our next episode. Mm. Uh, so I didn't want to get repetitive with that. So the song I went with, uh, for this time is actually the opening song it's
incredible opening song. Now, it's one of those opening tracks I think that doesn't really set you up for what's coming. Yeah, like it does. It's not. It's not a song that it's like, oh, you know, kind of here's what you can expect on the album. It's so different from the rest of the album, but also not like. Oh, like that sounds like it could be off a different album. You you mentioned like the atmospheric sort of stuff going on, you know, in the closer or whatever. It it, it has that element to it, right? Like it's it's definitely a lot different from the rest of the record, but it's not something that you know um, doesn't feel like it f- doesn't fit. You know, it, did I say that right? That was a double negative, so it feels like it fits. Yeah, that works. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this record when it came out. I mean, I know you go back further with Four Years Strong than I do. Uh, in fact, you know, my this record, I think, I think we did our episode on Four Years Strong after this record came out. So, like, this was my first real introduction to them because uh, I, I never really checked them out. I always knew about them, you know, being one of, like, the big kind of, like, Easy Core bands. But Easy Core was, you know, at its peak when I wasn't really listening to pop punk or punk rock that much so i wasn't really following it uh and then we decided to touch on uh, touch on it when we did our easy core series but but so this was my first real like listen through an album of theirs um and it blew my mind and so like i i think it's for me it's better than kind of some of the other stuff i've heard i don't have that uh you know like that nostalgic attachment to some of those records so when i hear this like like i hear that really like matured songwriting and craftsmanship. I know some people might be like, oh, it's not as heavy or it's not as hard or punk rock or whatever. It's like they they kind of like, um, I guess like mellowed it out a little bit, but it's just, for me, it's just such a good record. So, uh, and the fact that it made both of our top fives, I think shows that. So yeah, what's, uh, what's next on your list? I just want to say with that song, it's cool. I can still picture like, um, so I, I was listening. So that album came out when it was super cold out here and I was biking to work and I was really excited to listen. And it's, you know, like six thirty in the morning when I'm biking. And so I put this album on and I can still picture where I was on my bike when the kind of the opening. So the song kind of starts with these like guitars and just singing and then it yeah. stops, and then it just like goes into like what you said, like you wouldn't expect. And I can still picture where I was because I was just like, "Oh crap!" Like, you know, cause <laughs> I, in my mind, I was like, "Okay, like the opening song, they're just kind of you know getting things prepped." I thought maybe yeah. that was just going to be it, and then I was just had like the biggest smile on my face, and I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be good." It's it's funny because um, I think when you were talking about big vibe, you 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 made a comparison between Seaway and Four Years Strong. And I mean, it was the, the nineties influence. There is a song on this record. Now I got to double check which one it is, but I remember when I first heard it, I was like, Oh, that sounds like, that sounds like Seaway is what it reminded me of. And I, I think like maybe one of the, I don't, I mean, this is going to sound terrible. I think one of the, uh, uh, maybe it's learn. I think it's learn to love the lie reminds me of Seaway, and I think one of the guys in the band has actually worked with Seaway because I commented on a YouTube video. I was like, "Oh, it's like Seaway. Is that you?" And then someone was like, "Well, these guys have been along since you know Seaway was or been around since Seaway was in their diapers." Blah blah blah. blah. And I was like, "I was just making a joke because it reminds me of Seaway." Anyway, someone commented at that point that I think someone in the band had worked with them, and so, um. Where the heck was I going with this? Oh, <laughs> you were talking about It's Cool. It's just another Seaway connection. Now these two bands both have songs where, like on this, the music cuts out, and he's like, it's cool, and then comes back in, right? Like to, to the heavy part, whereas like Seaway, if you go back to Colorblind, they've got that one song where 
uh, it cuts out and he goes, everything is cool, man. And it goes into a riff. I was like, so they're both just, you know, cutting to, to nothing and singing about things being cool. There they're the same band. They're the same band. That's what it boils down to. Um, yeah. Sorry. What was next in your top five? Yes. I'm going with August Burns Red, Guardians. So this is one of those bands that if they have a new album coming out, it's almost guaranteed that it's going to be in my year's top list. They've been one of my favorites since 2005. I love everything they put out, and this album is no exception. There's everything you love about ABR and more on this album. Uh, it sees the band giving less time to maybe the more kind of experimental aspects of previous albums, yet continuing to lean into the heavy and melodic side that they do so well. There's a lot of standout tracks on this album for me. I feel like they crafted songs that are, are more memorable and easier to latch onto without kind of losing any of their integrity or compromising the sound that their fans expect from them. This is definitely my most listened to album of the year as it's the only one out of my top five that I have the actual physical CD to. So it's been in my van all year. And so because of that, it just constantly gets put on and, and I love it so much. And my What's your favorite uh, song? Yeah, standout song, I'm going to go with uh, Lighthouse.
So it just has a really cool sound to it. It's a little kind of haunting at times, but it's still super catchy in its own way. Vocally, it kind of leans more into the kind of architect's territory where it's more kind of that melodic sing screaming. Um, it's got this repeating chorus, which isn't very typical for ABR. And, and the message of the song is really cool, too, with emphasis on kind of opening your eyes to, um, to people groups around you that kind of easily get forgotten. And uh, so it's just a great song that, that adds a lot to the album for me. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. I'm not much of a fan of August Burns Red. I've like I, I've tried. I we discussed what was their last record? It wasn't you and I that talked uh, about it, but Phantoms. Phantoms. Uh back when this was music to my peers, Jordan and I talked about it. And uh, yeah. I think I I basically just said, Oh, it just feels like it's a constant assault on my ears. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> like it was Phantom just like Anthem. From, Phantom that's right, oh, Phantom yeah. Anthem. <laughs> um but yeah, it it uh They've always just been a band where, like, they're insanely talented, and I just go, I just, it just doesn't click for me. But that's fun. Yep. It doesn't have to. Uh, so the next uh, next one in my list would be Hot Mulligan and their album You'll Be Fine. Um, so this record, Hot Mulligan, is a band, I guess you could say, like an, an emo revival band sort of thing that uh, I'd been familiar with for a couple records, but they were sort of one that they were they were a band that I enjoyed and every time i put them on i'd be like oh yeah why don't i listen to these guys more and then i'd kind of forget about them and move on to it because there's just so much music right that's the way life is and uh this record came out and immediately i was struck by the artwork uh that this record has because it's a guy sitting beside i think he's sitting like it's like a painting and he's sitting beside like a pond or whatever with his dog his dog is sitting beside him but the person there is no person. It's just like a hat and glasses and like wearing like a red hoodie or whatever, but there's no face, no head, no nothing. Like, so it's just kind of like this neat sort of artwork. And I was like, initially I was taken aback by that. I was like, that's kind of cool. And when it came out, it was an album that I immediately liked and loved. And then much in the same way as happened with all of their other records, I just kind of forgot about it. And then as time went on, I forced myself to go back to it because it would always be in the back of my mind when i'd be like thinking about things to listen to and then finally i was like fine i'm gonna listen to it and it's been a record that is like even recently i've had a hard time turning off like it's just mm. so so good there's a lot of things that remind me of like the early 2000s like post-hardcore emo thing like taking back sunday sort of vibes going on like without sounding like taking back sunday like even at, at all but just things that remind me of that um so it's kind of sweet with that. The song that really st- the the thing about this record is they've got some some song titles that are song titles for the ages. I think uh, I should read some examples before I read the song that that I picked because it's always something that I kind of laugh at when I'm like looking at uh, looking at the album. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, <laughs> equip sunglasses, but like there's asterisks on either side so it's like an action of like equipping sunglasses dirty office bongos um (laughs) (laughs) they've got a song called backyard but they took all of the uh the vowels out of it so it's just bickered um and then they've got that like uh, they're just like songs where i'm like how did you decide to name it that like they have a song called they have a song called analog fade i'm like why did you call it that the only thing i can think of is in the beginning of the song it kind of like fades in there's guitar parts that fade i'm like are they literally referencing because like their their mixer 
like the whoever like mixed the record or engineered the record like actually faded those guitars in by hand sort of thing versus yeah. using like a you know a computer type thing. Uh, they got a song called Feel Like Crab. <laughs> Not feel like crap, but feel like crab. But anyway, the song that I wanted to go with is a song called Green Squirrel in Pretty Bad Shape. West Coast, sunrise this song it's got like this clean guitar riff that it's kind of one of their more mellow songs for the opening half really clean nice guitar work and then it kind of really opens up in the last half and it's just like um instantly singing along sort of thing it's it's been a record that over the course of the year because when did it come out that's the one question i feel like it's been out for quite some time uh march 6th so it so it came out right before the world shut down yeah <laughs> and uh it's over the course of the year has grown on me uh quite a bit have you have you listened to it at all 
I skimmed through it when it came out, um, as I do with with lots of albums. If there's, you know, if you, either you mention it or if they're just one of those bands, it's like, okay, I know people talk about bands like this, and but yeah, I think it was kind of pretty quick. It was like, yeah, I don't think this is something I'm gonna fully enjoy. I think, I think I described it to someone. I said it reminds me somewhat of Blue in the Dark by Bearings, like musically a little bit. But with way more like spazzy vocals, because <laughs> he like uh, yeah, goes in and out of this like off. he like goes in and out of this like sing scream in between sort of thing all the time. But which is I think at first I was like it feels like a little much, and then it grows on you. Um, and yeah, I've I've grown to love the record over the years. So what is your final album in your top five? Yeah. So speaking of spazzy vocals, uh, this band <laughs> does it, but in a way that I really like it, and that is. Dragged Unders, The World Is In Your Way. So this band and album kind of came out of nowhere. I hadn't you know, seen or heard anything about this album until its release. I can uh, still remember being at work and listening to it and texting you about it and just you know, yeah. kind of going back and forth and just being like, oh, like, what is this? Like, this is really cool. And you know, I think that by the end of the day, we were both like, okay, this is, this is a really cool album. You know, we would mention like, oh, I hear this influence and this influence on it. Yeah. And this record stands out because, you know, like I said, you can hear so many influences on it from punk to metal and new metal to old school hardcore. They kind of do it all in a way that sounds cohesive and easy to digest. It's super catchy, which I love, and they incorporate the catchiness you know, into the heavy songs too, so not just kind of the more popular ones. But This is an album that I've gone back to so many times over the year and will continue to. And they actually just released a deluxe version of the album, which also has two awesome new songs on it, as well as possibly uh, my favorite uh, Christmas song of the year, so bonus points mm. to them. It's <laughs> overall just a, a super good record from an up-and-coming band uh, for whom I can't wait to hear hear more of. And uh, my favorite song I'm going to go with is the opening track, The Real You.
I think it just kind of encompasses so many great elements of the band that I love. And uh, I can remember how it first kind of grabbed my attention when, when I put it on. And so um, there, there's a few of those. The Slick Shoes one is also uh, the first song on that one too. So, yeah, sometimes that's just what it is when it's like the first thing that grabs your attention because it's like that's what you remember and keeps you coming yeah. back. So That record, um, I remember, like, it came out, what am I trying to say? <laughs> there, was something, there, there was a point I had there that I was going to start making. Uh, I do remember that. So it's got like Ryan Fluffy. I can't remember what his last name. He's, like, he's or a YouTuber. Or? He's a YouTuber, yeah. like guitarist. And um, I remember, he, like, I think you maybe shared a music video or something. I was like, wait a minute. Because I watch, you know, a fair bit of his stuff, especially when I'm at work and spending, you know, half the day watching YouTube. Uh, he does some great videos. And I was like, wait. I know that guy, well, not personally, but I, I know who that guy is. Uh, and it's, it is a great record, and there are influences all over that record, which is one of the things I think is kind of fun because it's almost Easter egg-ish, uh, but it's also a record that I actually forgot was released this year. Um, and, I mean, I, I went, when I was going through, like, the releases of this year, I remember seeing it and putting it on my list, and I was like, but when I put it on my list, I was like, holy crap, that was this year? That was, like, like right that feels at the like, beginning of January or but, somewhere But that's there, the so. thing, right? Like, where we're at now, it's like, well, that's almost a year ago. So it's like, it, it has that sort of thing where you were talking about, like, with bands releasing new albums in December, being like, well, that was released last year type thing, right? Like, when January rolls around, like, it's almost this thing where I'm like, holy crap, that was this year. And, I mean... I think 2020 is also just such a messed up year that it's like, oh, you know, we, it, it this year feels like more years than one sort of thing, right? So, yeah. Um, so I think it was good yeah. that they re-released it just to put that bug in people's ears again and get them excited yeah. with some new material. So great uh, I think, choice on their behalf. I, th I think that's also what threw me off was that they had this deluxe version or whatever come out within the same year. I was like, huh? Oh, okay. Right. All right. I mean, I guess, but you're right. Like, it is a great way to kind of like in in such a weird year uh, yeah. to you know put that bug back in people's ears. Uh, so my final uh, album in my top five would be Touche Amore's Lament. Um, Touche Amore, their last record. You mentioned uh, earlier about. I think it was Lightworker having the song about his mom going through breast cancer and then you you know briefly shared kind of your story. Well, Touche Amore, their last album before Lament, uh, I believe, was that their last one? Was Stage 4? Now I'm curious because they had Beating It, well, oh no, it was Beating a Dead Horse was like a 10-year anniversary or whatever re-release thing that came out. But, but Stage 4 was about the passing of uh, Jeremy, the lead singer of... of Touche Mori, the passing of his of his mother. So it's like a really hard listen. Uh, but there is 
that record is where I fell in love with Touche Amore because they used a lot of language. Like my son, uh, he went through cancer and he like he survived, but there's a lot of language that was used on the on stage four that was just like so familiar to me, right? And I was like, you know, kind of attached. And they're a really unique sounding band. Uh, they're a post hardcore band who like definitely has elements from all over the place. Where and Jeremy in his in his vocals has a tendency like he's he's basically yelling all the time. Stage four he did a little more singing. I don't know if he sings at all on this record on Lament, but he like it's almost like this implied melody that he has when he yells. It's it's really weird. Like I don't know how to explain it. I don't know any other vocalists necessarily that are like it where I feel like you can sing a harmony with his screams. It's this weird sort of thing. But um, Lament ended up being a record where. Touche Amore is a hard band to listen to because you feel like you go on this journey with them and at the end of the record, you always want some kind of resolution, especially on this record. You want like, you know, everything looks really shitty, but at the end of the day, he's got this one thing that you're like, okay, well, at least I can end on this happy note. And that doesn't happen on this record. And you're just kind of left mm. like, uh, like they're, they're a band that are very strong for me, like lyrically where I love like sitting down and listening to them and going through the words that he's saying and how he's expressing them. And, and they're very much that way. The song that I wanted to kind of highlight off this album is the song Reminders.
been a crazy, crappy year. But this song, in the, in the chorus, he sings, you know, I need reminders of the love that I have. Like, just, like, all these things. Like, he's talking about, like, being in a low place, but, like, also being, like, reminded of, like, the hope and good that there still is and the people that he loves and, you know, the, the people surrounding him and whatever. And it's just kind of like this, like, feel-good song. The video is also great because it's just a bunch of people with their pets hmm. and just, like, oh, yeah. all happy, like, <laughs> with their pets. And it's different videos submitted by, I think, like, fans and some of their friends and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty cool, but... um but yeah, Touche Amore's Lament is uh, is a great record. Did you get a chance? I know you're not a huge fan of Touche Amore, but did you get a chance to listen to this one at all? Yeah, I did skim through this one too because they're one of those bands that I mean I've seen their name around you know for years and a lot of people really love it and and so I, I wanted to you know every so often it's like I don't think I like this band but I'm gonna listen just to make sure I'm not missing out on yeah. something and uh, yeah so I I did listen to it and um, yeah it's you know got some kind of flair similar to you know bands like me without you and you know some of that kind of spazzy kind of ish stuff not that it, maybe, that, maybe that's not the right word but you know there's just yeah. kind of more going on to it and and so i mean i can definitely appreciate it it's not something i kind of choose to listen to but uh, you know when i put it on it's like okay there's a lot of passion behind this and you know a lot goes into putting these songs together and um i think yeah well and i think for me like if they weren't a band that uh if they weren't a band that were as engaging lyrically for me it might be harder for me to kind of get into but like that's those those are things that can like almost redeem bands for me because i could see if it if they're just singing about whatever if it just wasn't stuff that captured me i could kind of be like well i mean his vocals are just kind of always going in that sort of like grading territory with just how he's yelling and you know i could see i could see i feel like they're a band where i could see why people i can understand why they wouldn't like them but i can also fully understand why people love them yeah um it's just it's just got to hit you correctly so why don't we try to then uh figure out if we can I'm going to try and place your top five in order, and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, and you can reveal your top five. And okay. then, uh, and then, did you need a reminder of what the albums were that I did? Or did so you I wrote all yours down. Um, yeah, you got Four Years Strong, Casket Lottery, Touche Mori, Hot Mulligan, and Spanish Love Songs. Is that no? Which no. one? Which uh, one did I missed? You were close. Uh, not Spanish Love Songs, but Be Well. Oh yeah, Be Well, right. So I'm going to say that your number five last year i i nailed this i got it 100 yeah. percent correct and i was super i was super confident this year i'm not so confident so we'll see uh number five i said uh, you went with slick shoes number four light worker number three four years strong number two dragged under and number one august burns red um you got so i kind of have them in mixed up order here so now i gotta go uh <laughs> number one i have august burns red okay so i got your number one right Number two is Four Years Strong. Okay. Uh, number three is Dragged Under. Yeah. Number four is Slick Shoes. Oh, okay, yeah. And number so I had them all wrong. I just, I, the, the two, well, I got your number one right, but then I, I, it was funny because uh, the flip flops, did you, no, you didn't read them in that order, but the flip flops where I was like flip flopping between them in my head. I was like, ah, does he go slick shoes five or four? Does he go? <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. I know it's it's only five, but it's it's especially hard when you know. I think besides brain pain, the rest of yours and the rest of mine aren't ones that like each one of us yeah. loved as much, and so it's kind of hard to put in that place of like, well, 
I'm kind of just basing it off on like how much you talked about it or like right. comments you made the about only, it. So the only reason I knew August Burns Red was number one was because you made the comment about the it's the only physical uh, CD you bought and it's in your van and you listen yeah. to it a ton. But <laughs> so yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, as you're saying that, I wrote number one. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so I, what, I kind what, of thought that was I like today when I was just looking through the notes again. I was like, oh, does that kind of give away that? Because <laughs> when I wrote them, I don't know if I thought we were doing this, but anyways. Yeah. All right, um, let's see if you can uh, guess my, my five. I don't feel super confident here, but I'm going to say number one, Four Years Strong, just because it's been out the longest and you talked about it lots. I'm <laughs> going to say um, Be Well is number two. Number three, Casket Lottery. Number four, Touche Amori. And number five, Hot Mulligan. You did really well. Um, you got five, four, and three right, but you flipped two and one. So number oh, okay. one was Be Well. Number two is uh, Four Year Strong. Okay. Casket Lottery, Touche Amore, Hot Mulligan. Um, yeah, Hot Mulligan and Spanish Love Songs were the two that kind of for sure kept flip-flopping back and forth. And I had another I had another album that was in my top five that didn't even in the end make my top ten. Because in the end, I decided to consider it an EP. <laughs> oh, okay. And so I'm like, that's just going to, because it's it's this weird middle ground that uh, we'll bring it up when we talk about, you know, our top EPs of the year, which is in the next episode, because guppy season is only just beginning. Yeah, get ready. Uh, so that is, that, those are each of our, I mean, I guess what we're saying is the combined number one album of the year is four years strong for this show. Yeah. Because it was number two. Was Four Year Strong your number two? Yeah. Yeah. So it was both of our number twos, which is actually pretty respectable, pretty solid. Um, but yeah, so we are going to discuss uh, in the next episode, we will, we will, we're going to highlight some of our favorite EPs. Plus, we've got a, a laundry list of awards that we're going to, quote unquote, awards that we're going to give out because, and I say a laundry list, I literally keep adding ideas. I'm like, oh, this would be fun. Yeah. Oh, this would be fun. So we'll see what we end up with and if it becomes a marathon of an episode. But, that is our respective top tens for 2020. Uh, thanks for, for listening. Uh, go follow us at Growing Punk Pod on all of our social medias, um, t- Twitter and Instagram, basically. And uh, hit us up at growingpunkpod.com. That's our website. We've got different posts there as well. Uh, you can find all the episodes there. You can also find out this, obviously, wherever you listen to podcasts and YouTube. Um, but at growingpunkpod.com, we've also got a link to merch. Uh, you can grab yourself a t-shirt. I know Christmas has come and gone at this point, but get yourself a late Christmas present. Why not? Uh, but that will do it for us. So, uh, thanks again for listening. You know what, you guys? Soon Ryan will learn the magic of Christmas. Worry not. I will convert it.